Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And this week, I am very excited to introduce you to a phenomenal woman executive out of California. Her name is Lisa Hickey. And let me tell you a little bit about Lisa. She is the Vice President of Education Services at HR.com out of Oakland, California. And as part of the leadership team at HR.com, Lisa develops and executes strategies that align with HR.com's company mission and vision. Lisa's team focuses on HR certification prep, membership, and online and in-person programming for HR professionals. Lisa's creative, she's resourceful, she's a lot of fun, which you're gonna get to get to hear in a moment. She's collaborative, and she is really big on fostering collaboration and inclusion. Her colleagues know that she keeps a sharp eye on financial goals, timelines, and deadlines, but she has the agility to switch gears when necessary to embrace unexpected opportunities. Lisa wears many hats and makes it a priority to understand the perspectives of multiple stakeholders, including members, presenters, partners who need to know their views, but also know that they're understood. Lisa's areas of expertise are in human resources, program development, program management, process improvement, creative leadership, cross-collaboration and team development. She has a master's in industrial and organizational psychology from NYU. She did her bachelor's in business admin from Boston U, and she's HR certified with SHRM and HRCI. So Lisa Hickey, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Deb. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for that intro as well. Well, it's kind of nice when someone else introduces you. It gives you that pause to think, did I really do all that? Yes, for sure. But I I was fact-checking as you went along, and and you have it right. Okay, good to know. Well, Lisa, I'm really, really appreciative for your time and the expertise that you're going to give our listeners today. So I'd like to start with my first leadership question. Could you share with us where your love of people was fostered and why you chose to become a human resources professional? Oh, okay. Where my love, where my love of people? Where your love of people, was it people? Was it fostered from your upbringing? Did you have a certain experience in university? Was it a mentor maybe from a first job? What kind of drew you to HR? You must be a people lover. (laughs) Um, And a problem solver. Um, Yeah, I do feel like it is a part of who I am. Um, I've always been involved in teams and um, interested in 
human nature and psychology and um, learned a lot when I went through my IO psych program. And I, I think it's just something that was nurtured throughout my life, seeing, um, seeing what we can accomplish together. And with respect to why HR, um, I had the opportunity to join an investment banking firm a number of years ago in their HR department. And it was really my experience there that opened my eyes to all the different parts of human resources, um, the, the more specialized versus the more generalized, and, and the overall impact HR obviously has on an organization and um, really came to value and appreciate um, the art of the profession, I would say. It's interesting how we can have exposure to a position at a company and then land up completely going in a different trajectory just just for the love of the role and the people and and like you said looking at all aspects of HR and, and now you're a VP at a large HR company that's internationally known so just a very neat story. Mm -hmm. So my next question is what imperfections do you bring to your leadership as Vice President of Educational Services at HR.com? Oh boy, um, uh, a fair number of them. <laughs> um, let's see, the imperfections I bring, I bring, um, let's see, I, I'm not good at doing math in my head quickly. I am somebody that uh, actually likes to think about things, as you know. Um, I like to think about things for sometimes days. My colleagues know that. Um, they've learned to ask me a question and then give me some space to get back to them. Um, uh, let's see, what other imperfections do I bring? Um, I don't know all the answers, that's for sure. Um, and so I've Build a team to to help with that. Um, I would say those are those are the main ones. Does that answer your question? Oh, absolutely. And and I I always have fun when I ask this question because all the leaders that I speak to all have a giggle and they say, "Oh my gosh, there's so many. How many do you want?" And I think just being able to laugh at ourselves. But I love the two examples that you gave. You can't do math in your head, yet you're known in the eyes of your colleagues to really understand working with multiple stakeholders, but you mm -hmm. foster the responsibility that you have for budgets, et cetera. So it's kind of, it's funny how you can say that, but then you know what you do, which brings me to the second point. You like to think things through to make sure that you're detail oriented and you're heading in the right the right trajectory with your team. So kind of an imperfection, but sometimes a self audit. And I think sometimes we're hard on ourselves as leaders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And who wants um, to do math in their head anyways, Lisa? It's overrated. <laughs> hey there, I, I am forever impressed with people that can do it so quickly and it just helps them reach a decision faster. And, and I know for myself, I'm like, uh, hold on a minute. <laughs> Let me get out my calculator. Let me see how that fits in, so, um, yeah. The other thing that I really loved that you alluded to was you don't know all the answers, 
and you've built a team. So collectively, you can handle mm -hmm. whatever is sent your way. So I think that's a really good point for the listeners to hear that sometimes I think there's a misconception that because you're a leader and you're a VP at a company that you know everything about everything, even though it's a hierarchy and yes, there's an HR structure, you have surrounded yourself with people who are smarter in different areas that you you need to lead the ship and you're not meant to know everything so i think that's so powerful lisa yeah absolutely i i can't possibly know everything and i truly do trust my team to uh, know their areas uh, better than i but they're certainly able to express to me you know what i need to know um, i also do kind of have a bias that if we all know the same thing, then there's a lot of redundancy. So um, I just, I just trust, I just trust in that process where um, they know more of the details than I do, and we can come to solutions together. Uh, I was just asked a question earlier today by by someone on my team. I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to look into that and get back to you. That's not a problem. And what a great leadership answer. And I think what you basically just described there is true leadership, heart-centered leadership and collaboration. Okay. Perfect. Now my next question is kind of heavy, so I, I'll let you okay. pause for a minute. Okay. I would love to know how you feel that COVID-19 has or has not changed HR as we know it. What was your feeling back in March with the onset? And I know a lot of companies have looked at, you know, reintegrating back in the fall. Then there's been talk about January. I know in Canada, some mm. companies are now saying stay home for 2021. And I know there's big geographic implications, but if you had a snapshot view of your feelings as an executive in HR, what do you think has changed or is going to change or what's been your overall feeling through this global pandemic? I am going to pause for a minute. <laughs> um, so how, how COVID-19 has changed HR as we know it. Um, I would say it has highlighted and elevated the, the function. I think it has exposed some really great HR professionals and some uh, values and processes in organizations. And I think it also has exposed where there's an opportunity for improvement. Um, so I, you know, at the end of the day, people are still people, and HR uh, is still there to drive an organization uh, through its most valuable assets, its people, its employees. Um, so that part hasn't changed, but how we have delivered things has changed. I think, um, I think, it's challenging folks to have conversations that they would normally prefer to have in person, to have those like 
remotely, um, but still show care, quite honestly, um, if you're talking about something difficult. Um, I think it's also just changed, you know, how we look at how things have to get done. Um, what's really necessary or not necessary, or is there a different way to, to do something? So, you know, early on back in March, I was, I was absolutely impressed with how quickly companies responded and how quickly they addressed different policies and figured out what, what could work now and what their longer term solutions were. So, um, I think it's really helped HR be seen as an integral part of a company and with the ability to adjust to an absolute unknown. Well, it's very interesting some of the comments you've shared because we're just coming up on our three month mark for the podcast and I have had this conversation with some leaders in other countries and they have basically alluded and aligned with some of your comments. The delivery's changing, the remote working was a challenge, companies had to adapt, leaders had to adapt, but more importantly, anything that was complacent was noticed and handled, if I could use that verb so <laughs> eloquently. And it is challenging people to have conversation. And just because you're on Zoom doesn't mean you still can't look someone in the eye and have a meaningful conversation. So that's another really good point. And I think the biggest thing that you said that I really love, Lisa, is HR is people. And at the end of the day, companies can have their facts and their figures and their, their different uh, fiscal goals for what they want to achieve financially, but they won't do it without a healthy culture, which comes from people, which really is led from the top. So just some powerful comments mm -hmm. there. Do you think the future of HR will have more alignment with marketing, communications, public relations than it does now? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think, I think we're seeing, um, more of a more of a collaborative effort and I think we're seeing how each area touches on another so for example from the marketing side and even the community side where where people are saying hey I want to work for a company that espouses the same values I have okay um, that touches marketing <laughs> that touches communication that touches HR so I think in awareness of those different elements coming together, um, I definitely see um, HR getting more involved in those different areas, whether it's a company's brand or the employee life cycle from pre-hire to alumni um, is also part of who a company is and how they present themselves. And I think there's a real awareness amongst the HR profession that that these things matter, um, and these are the these are the things that our current um, workforce is looking for and evaluating in a company and on a team and um, within their community. I agree with you, Lisa. And I've also noticed in my coaching practice that 
HR is being invited to the table when there's executive leadership team meetings because it's vital to have them included in the conversations and, and not just when something arises, but not being on that generalist side and just implementing and acting and executing HR policies and procedures, but being on the prevention side and kind of getting a glimpse at you know, not only the company's mission and vision, but having an inclusion at, at the table with a voice. So I think a lot of good has come out of COVID-19 from an HR perspective. And I'm happy to hear that you're kind of feeling the same way and a lot of different touch points and, and similar conversation that I've had with, with other leaders. So that's really awesome to hear. Now, my fourth question, I kind of snuck in like a 3B there on you, Lisa, because <laughs> I, I knew you had some more richness to give me there. I want to ask my fourth question is kind, of kind of a funny one, but I want to ask what's Lisa's secret sauce? What are the, the three leadership principles that you have kind of self-audited and discovered about yourself and, and executed so it can contribute to the success that you've had in, in now being an executive. What are those three leadership principles that are the secret sauce of Lisa? <laughs> All right. Uh, my secret sauce um, actually includes a lot of introspection. It includes um, taking into account uh, when I hear feedback from somebody where I think, oh, that's not, that's not how I intended it or how I thought that might be seen. So um, I think introspection is a, a huge part to realize uh, and think about my actions and my words, even with really minor things um, uh, that, that I've become aware, oh, that's really impacting somebody in a way that that is um, it's something easily resolvable if I if I pay attention to it. So I would say introspection is a huge one for me. Um, I would say um, another big principle for me is I approach leadership from a point of what can I do for my team? How can I help them? Um, can I can I help them by removing a barrier? Can I help them by shifting priorities? Can I help them by brainstorming, kicking something around? Can I help them, um, you know, by maybe accepting <laughs> accepting an obstacle in our way right now? But um, but definitely a, just a principle of how can I help them get to where they want to go um, is definitely how I approach leading my team. And then I would say the third secret sauce for me is, is um, focusing on things I can do to build our team, um, whether it's team collaboration or um, trust or safety in conversations. And, um, and this does go to my secret sauce. Um, I instituted a while ago Team Tea, the beverage, and we meet every other week, and the agenda is anything but work. 
and this is pre-COVID. It's something I've been working on for years and refining over time and purposefully setting up a meeting and holding that in as high of a regard as I hold a work meeting, by the way, um, is also important. And it allows us to get to know one another on a human level. Uh, it allows people to share to whatever degree they are comfortable, but we get to see one another as people. Um, it has absolutely built trust amongst one another. We get to see each other's strengths. We get to learn from one another in a way that we wouldn't see necessarily at work, or at least in a from a different lens. Um, it also allows us to um, bring in new folks when our team is growing. So those are my three secret sauces. Make time to get to know one another in a non-work format <laughs> um, is, is the last one. It's so important uh, that you've mentioned that. A lot of my executives and C-suite leaders have done a similar thing since the start of COVID. And it started off monthly, it's moved to bi-weekly. Some of them are even doing it weekly. And the rule is you can bring your beverage of choice and now some of them are able to social distance. Uh, one executive even went as far as to get the favorite beverage for her team. And she did a survey and, and made it personal and because people have had a hard time through COVID. So that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing that you've done as well, Lisa. And, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show because you are such a heart-centered, fun leader. And I knew there was secret sauce there. <laughs> now, I like to end the podcast with what I call the Fab Four. And these are just four fun questions, whatever's on the top of your head, so the listeners can get a little glimpse of, of Lisa when she's not being the VP of uh, HR.com for education services. What's your favorite self-care activity and why? Oh, um. Right now, my favorite self-care activity includes a weekly long hike with a close friend. Um, the reason I like this is it, it serves multiple um, purposes. I'm getting out in nature, I'm exploring, I'm exercising, I'm challenging myself, and then um, I'm also you know, either either processing something out loud with a friend or helping support somebody or just, um, you know, just just having all sorts of random conversations. But that is definitely my my new favorite self-care. It, it's one that I've uh, adapted this summer too, uh, hiking and just being amongst the trees and, and like you said, whether you're on your own or with a friend or having an opportunity just to say something aloud, it's, it's just a different mindset. So that's exciting. And I'm glad to hear that you're doing that. Now, the next question is very important. Chocolate or vanilla? <laughs> vanilla. Vanilla. What's your favorite dessert? <laughs> I actually don't have much of a sweet tooth, but... Um... 
I guess, you know, vanilla with some chocolate chips in it is always good. Ice cream probably would be my favorite dessert. There you go. I love it. <laughs> now, name, name for us one character trait that helps Lisa live a heart-centered life. Oh, gosh. A character trait. <sighs> I'd say um, I'm open-minded and also pretty accepting. I'm not perfectly accepting, but I'm pretty accepting. And so people are able to be themselves with me and I'm able to honor somebody else's point of view, even if it isn't necessarily the same view I have. Um, and I think that's one of the things that really helps me because I'm able to see things from multiple perspectives. It's uh, also something that maybe sometimes slows me down <laughs> because I'm, I'm seeing somebody's, um, seeing it from another view as well. But I'd say, I'd say that. Well, and in the short time we've known each other, I can't believe it's already been four months, by the way. I, mm. If I had to answer this question, I, I would find the trait that I have interpreted from you uh, for being heart-centered uh, as a whole person is you're very grateful. Mm. You know, and that is true. I, um, I do have a gratitude practice um, and a meditation practice, so those probably do come through and it might be something that, yeah, that I don't necessarily realize. Well, um, and you and you like to think things out. So, you know, another fun character trait that I like about you is you're very curious. Like, let's look at this from all angles and let's flip it upside down and break it apart. And let's talk about it. And that's the humor and, and the zest and the funness that you mm. also bring to your heart-centered leadership. So that's kind of fun, too. So my last question is, what do you want your legacy to be, Lisa? My legacy. Um, well, I hope that my, my team or anyone that I've worked with remembers me as someone that uh, that cared and that helped them and um, yeah maybe lightened it up a little bit with with some humor here and there but um, I hope people look at me and say oh yeah like she she helped me with that she helped me with that skill or she helped me to see my value or she helped me to find balance she helped me she helped me learn to say no. <laughs> I think we need to teach more folks how to say no. Um, and that um, they know I'm happy for their success. Um, so yeah, someone, my legacy, I want to be known as someone that generally cared about somebody else, was thrilled to see them get to where they want to go, and that I was somebody that either encouraged or inspired them and helped them to keep going in the direction they wanted to. 
Well, that's inspiring and it's motivating and, and you do do that. And even though we joke, I, uh, we've known each other a short time and I've already have an invitation to your front porch for wine. So as soon as I can cross <laughs> the border, I'm coming, Lisa. <laughs> oh yeah. Nothing more, uh, nothing more that I'd like than to hang out on the front porch and have some wine with you. That's awesome. Well, I want to thank you for your, your time and your expertise and your heart centered leadership and just really honored to have you on the show today and, and look forward to future conversations with you. Thank you, Deb. I really appreciate it. It was an honor to be your guest today. And I like to end the podcast with my, my list of five things for us to live a purposeful life, follow your heart, have passion, do your best, know your truth, and always be in love with the journey. This is Deb Crow. Thanks for joining me today on Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast.